Welcome to the Romena Podcast, a parallel polis project. This is your host, Dr. Cameron Thompson. Hi, I'm Dr. Cameron Thompson, and I want to share how I went from being a Benop skeptic to a strong advocate and why. I went from being a Benop skeptic to a strong advocate once I understood the original guidebook written by St. Benedict himself. By seeing better what that shows us, we can understand not only why the Benedict option is a good strategy for Christians today, and in every era, but especially today, but even more importantly, we can understand also the practical wisdom on how to live it out well. Okay, so if you run in certain circles, you've no doubt heard about the Benedict option, or Benop for short, and you know people tend to love it or hate it, and lots of folks mostly love to hate it. And so did I, both love it and hate it, that is. And like most critics of Rod Dreher's idea, I'd never actually read his book on it, nor ever bothered to find out what he had said about the idea during the last number of years of him talking about it prior to even having written the book, because not everything that's in the basic concept of the Benedict Option and all the arguments for it is actually contained in the book. There's a lot that exists that didn't make it into the final cut, as it were. I had my definite opinions on the matter, and like all Benedict Option critics, I loved to posit my own pet theory alternative to it. A simple Google search reveals all manner of things that people have come up with, such as the Mary Option or the Beer Option. Mine was the Farmer Giles Option, which turns out in the end to boil down to essentially the same thing that Rod, Rod Dreher originally had in mind, with a slight shift of emphasis, when he came up with the Benop many years ago. Now, everybody knows, and if you know me, you know I am at times, very occasionally, given to hyperbole, that Rod Dreher's inspiration for the idea came from the end of the last chapter in Alistair McIntyre's book, After Virtue, where Alistair McIntyre says that society is waiting not only for Godot, but for another, doubtless very different, St. Benedict. And people like to pick on Dreher, saying that he's radically misinterpreting McIntyre, etc., etc., the thing is, the real key to understanding the Benedict Option lies earlier in that same paragraph, not in the final lines where McIntyre says that society's waiting for a different St. Benedict. That's not the inspiration for the Benedict Option. It's earlier in the paragraph where McIntyre talks about just what the original Benedict of the 6th century actually did, and what this new, if you will, Benedict-like path for society should look like. It's uncanny, actually, how McIntyre almost uses the term Benedict Option here himself without actually using that exact terminology in the final publication. Namely, and I quote from McIntyre, what Benedict and his monks set themselves to achieve was the construction of new forms of community within which the moral life could be sustained so that morality and civility might both survive the coming ages of barbarism and darkness. If my account of our moral condition is correct, and this is still McIntyre, we ought also to conclude that for some time now we too have reached that turning point. What matters at this stage is the construction of local forms of community within which civility and intellectual and moral life can be sustained through the dark ages which are already upon us." End quote. All of that was McIntyre. He wrote that back in the 1980s, and of course it's been republished again in the 90s and in the, yeah, in the 2000s. McIntyre himself said that. He's pointing this out, and he is not party to, to, to sort of the American culture wars thing that's going on. He's not, he's certainly not a conservative in the way that many people think of that term in the United States. He's, he's, he's an astute philosopher, 
and sort of moral sociocultural anthropologist, if you will. He's identifying something that has in fact happened for some time and for his, his framework, his historical frame of reference, McIntyre is looking back at the last century or two or three as part of that book. So what he's saying too is that what matters at this stage is the construction of local forms of community within which civility and intellectual and moral life can be sustained through the Dark Ages, which have already been upon us for some time and we're only waking up to that now. Now, I also happen to specialize academically in both virtue psychology and monastic spirituality and history. And as an anthropologist psychologist, I can tell you that McIntyre is spot on with, with what he says that we need today, namely tangible living communities in which to become embedded, to learn more what that means, go ahead and read the rest of McIntyre's book. And even though I knew all of this in the abstract, in day-to-day -day life, I still in practice made like we could make it on our own in the midst of the modern industrial urban landscape. Over time, however, we realized that we could not survive in a world like that and keep our sanity intact. Now, I know many people who've opted then, with that same conclusion, to retreat into isolated life on a self-sufficient homestead in the countryside. Heck, we also ended up by circumstance having to live that way for a, for a couple of years as well. But let me tell you, the fact is that human beings were not made for isolation, and no nuclear family unit was ever made to be entirely self-sufficient, expected to provide for all of their own needs. And it's absurd to think so. Human beings are made for community, and that means communities of families. They used to call it a village or something like that. Something on the scale of a village, perhaps, but a community nonetheless, centered on common pattern of life with others. Neither the urban industrial complex nor the isolated little house on the prairie homestead is a healthy habitat for human beings. In either environment, the sole nuclear family unit standing against the storm will simply be snuffed out. It's human nature. We need to be deeply conscientious of our own moral and cultural frailty as individuals and even as a family, even a small family. We are made for more, and thus we need more. We need more complex communities than merely the individual household. We need communities of individual households. Uh, it's the, the simple point is that even the individual household is not made to be self-sufficient against the storm, especially when you're understanding household or family in the sense of the American nuclear family unit, mom, dad, and kids. Traditionally, families are much broader, more complex, larger network of people. The problem is that the most basic level, the problem is one of a return to human scale. Only then will life actually begin to become more livable. And that's not even touching on the religious dimension of things, or maybe it is. You see, true Christian living, genuine Christian culture in practice is all about and historically thrives best when it embodies small-scale, relationship-based local economies centered both on communal liturgies of divine worship on the one hand and incarnating that divinity through the daily life of humanity on the other. And guess what? Turns out that's what Benedict's original option was. In fact, prior to what Charles Taylor calls the secular age, it was in fact the only real way of life for any given Christian too. And so once I started to work all that out, I thought that it just might be worth taking a look at what Rod Dreher actually had to say about the so-called Benedict option. And here's what I found to quote Dreher directly. Quote, 
The Benedict Option refers to Christians in the contemporary West who cease to identify the continuation of civility and moral community with the maintenance of American empire, and who therefore are keen to construct local forms of community as loci of Christian resistance against what that empire represents, and who also recognize that forming Christians who live out Christianity according to the great tradition requires embedding within communities and institutions dedicated to that formation, end quote. Well then, no wonder the Benedict Option gets misunderstood and misconstrued. It's not just the fact that people love to hate on political pundits. I mean, Dreher is a big deal over at a blog called The American Conservative, for crying out loud. But it's because the Benedict Option flies in the face of all that commercialized mainstream modern sensibilities say about what you should do as a citizen of modern progressive society. But hey, so does the entire gospel. Sermon on the Mount, anyone? And this isn't all theoretical either. Do you realize how much our ways of living and even how we think is being shaped and nudged by the structures and routines of secular modernity that we're embedded in. Now amplify that 100x for how that impacts the development of our children. There's nothing more practical than taking an inventory of how mainstream life in the modern secular West is shaping your heart and minds and the hearts and minds of your children. But lest you be tempted to think the only solution is to go on some isolationist self-sufficiency kick, think again about instead of just leaving orbit, you enter into a different orbit altogether, a healthier, saner orbit. Can you imagine even, for instance, the immense burden that is lifted by being able to live in a local community whose pattern of life and routines actually freed you instead of inhibiting you or outright prohibiting you? to living a life in Christ. Having launched through some major life transitions over the last few years ourselves, as my family and I seek for genuine freedom to worship God and follow where he is leading us, I have a new appreciation for the Benedict Option, for what it actually is and not not what many think it to be. Now that I've actually talked with Rod and others about it who are living it, or at least trying to put together a way of life where they can live it, And I've actually seen what Rod had to say about it. Maybe I come from the privileged position of having studied St. Benedict and his rule for over a quarter century now. Gosh, I'm getting old. That allows me to see something that might otherwise be easy to overlook. That's why I thought it worthwhile to revisit the original idea that Benedict himself had, that 1,500-plus-year-old strategy for Christians living in the midst of a non-Christian world. Think about it. The sustainability and the viability of this option is proven the test of time. And to make available to everyone a more accessible version of Benedict's own vision for the original Benedict option and his guide for putting it into practice. That's why I wrote the book, The Original Benedict Option Guidebook, St. Benedict of Nursia's Own Rules for Living Christian Community in a Post-Christian Society. You can find that in various places, including on Amazon. But before you write this off, come along with me and let's take an honest look at what the Benedict Option is actually about. And it's not about circling the wagons, America. It's not about fleeing persecution either. And see if together you and I can maybe even improve on it by looking at the original guide, the OG, if you will, to the Benedict Option, namely what Benedict himself has to say and what he has to tell us both with his life and his words. 
So you can go ahead and have a look. I think you'll appreciate what you find. The book is called The Original Benedict Option Guidebook, Benedict of Nursia's Own Rules for Living Christian Community in a Post-Christian Society. There's a link in the show notes here. And I encourage you to check out more information about the whole Romana project at romana.community. Again, a link in the show notes. And if you like what you're hearing here and you want to continue to follow the project, go ahead and subscribe to the Romana podcast, which you can do on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, all the major platforms for podcasts are heard. Thank you very much, and I'll see you next time. Welcome to the Romana podcast, a parallel polis project. This is your host, Dr. Cameron Thompson. Come find out more at romena.community.